Hey everybody, this is Ian Reed Twist, the pastor at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Novi, Michigan. Today's sermon was preached on March 1st at Holy Cross based on an Old Testament passage from Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17, and Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. Uh, yeah, and I hope you like it. Think of the Bible as a big family reunion. All these stories coming together from rocky hillsides of the old country, from the rivers of Babylon, from cities and farms and monasteries. There they are in their convention hall, muttering and laughing and debating under the gold letter banner, Bible Family Reunion. At a near table, Song of Songs tosses her thick hair and gazes smokily at her cousin, the story of Samson. Those angry-looking old guys with the bullhorn on the raised stage, the ones taking turns criticizing the lavish catering and promoting the poor people's campaign, those are the prophetic texts, of course. The tale of Job, a balding life insurance salesman, keeps wandering from group to group, whining about what a terrible time he's having. The Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain have come in matching outfits, trying to trick people into thinking that they're identical twins. Over in the corner, Ecclesiastes is sipping absinthe and reading Jean-Paul Sartre. And the visions of Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation clearly did some pre-partying with hallucinogenics. But hey, that feverish conversation they're having seems to be making sense to them. And then, as there is at any family reunion, there's that one relative everyone wishes had stayed home. Already drunk when he arrived, he just keeps getting more belligerent with each Captain Morgan and Coke. He tells women how much weight they need to lose before he would consider sleeping with them. He cracks homophobic jokes. He slaps his pot belly and belches. Yeah, you guessed it. That guy is the second creation story from Genesis. The one we read today, where God pulls Eve out of Adam's rib as a helper for him. And then she permanently ruins humanity's sweet setup in Eden by tempting Adam with the fruit God has prohibited. That's the one. Can you think of any text in Western literature that has done more to advance misogyny, not to mention homophobia, sexual shame, and a punishing image of God? Not as young, elegant, or inspiring as his brother, the first creation story. The second creation story is definitely that uncle you wish would shut up and stop embarrassing the family. Trust me, I'm not here to pretend away the obnoxious uncle's faults. But you know, even unpleasant people have a spark of God in them. And I want to make a case that this is true of Genesis 2 and 3 as well. There's something going on in this tale that's about what it means to truly see someone to see them in their faults and their pain, and to still love them, and to be seen and loved 
in that same way. Right before things start to unravel, the story says that the man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. So they're living in a kind of unconscious, idealized state. It's only when they eat the forbidden fruit that the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. They've done their first wrong thing, exposed their first flaws, and this is where the shame and the covering up begins. Fig leaves and loincloths, hiding physically from God and then hiding their actions verbally with blame. The woman who you gave to me, God, she made me do it. Well, 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 the serpent made me do it. The eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. They see each other fully. God sees them fully. They're blaming disgraced, broken sides, their sinful sides, and the pain this causes them are visible for all to see. The eyes of both are opened, and they know. Now, it is true that God delivers negative consequences as a result of this moment. The pain of childbearing, the struggle to raise crops for food, the unequal relationship between the sexes. But the only character God actually curses is the serpent. And nowhere else, and nowhere in the story, does it say that God is angry. In fact, two quite beautiful things happen as a result of this moment when the man and the woman's full humanity gets revealed. First, the husband honors his wife with a name. Eve, which is similar to the Hebrew word for life. She becomes the mother of all living. And there is yet life in their relationship after the loss. And second, before sending them from Eden, God makes clothes for them. God does what any caring parent does for their children before sending them out of the house, God clothes and protects. This is not a punishing or vengeful God. We've added that to the story. This is a loving God. God sees the whole of them. God sees the whole of us, broken and exposed and beautiful and hurting. And God loves what God sees. So I believe that this passage also calls us to try and see one another with God's eyes as well. Even after the glow of the ideal wears off and we come face to face with the good, the bad, and the ugly, to truly see and to name the life we see that is worthy of love no matter what. Can you think of a time when you were truly seen, truly acknowledged and loved, even in your mistakes and your losses.
I had the chance to have coffee with our new bishop a couple weeks ago. Now, I know Bishop Bonnie a bit from taking her class in seminary and getting some phone coaching when I was in my first call. So she asked me to catch her up on my life, to tell her about my last church and about Holy Cross. And of course, I sang your praises and talked about the joy and the strong lay leadership and how grateful I am to be here. I'm not blowing smoke, that is the truth. But I will also admit to you that I have a lot of feelings about how things went in my last call. Of course, there are some choices I would make differently if I had them to make again, and that brings some sorrow. Also, many beautiful people I was sorry to leave behind. But mainly I encountered some very hurtful behavior from a small but committed minority who refused to talk with me face to face. And I laid all that out for Bishop Bonnie as well. I just I told it like I experienced it. And when I was done, she looked me in the eyes and she said, I'm so sorry you've been through that. It wasn't fair of them to treat you like that, and it wasn't kind. And she told me that she respected and valued me as a priest in the diocese, and she encouraged me to attend to my need to heal. I almost cried. I'm not trying to canonize our new bishop past all recognition. <laughs> She has her shortcomings like anybody else does. But in that moment, Bishop Bonnie saw me. She saw the pain I was carrying in a way that I did not even realize that pain ached to be seen. She answered the beautiful call that is tucked away into this troublesome, patriarchal, sex-negative, Lenten story in Genesis, a call that the Holy Spirit offers up to you and me in our Christian journey as well. She saw me the way Adam came to see Eve after their eyes were opened, naming in her the life that he observed. She saw me, however fleetingly, the way God sees us all, with authenticity and with love. This Lent, this life, let us work to see others in just that way. Amen. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And if you want more information about me or the church, you can always go to our website, Holy Cross Novi, that's N-O-V-I dot org. And in the meantime, have a blessed week and you can find more sermons as we publish them in the same place you found this one. Take care.